You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is Stuck. Our second season. Yay! It's lunchtime, and you've come out of a morning full of meetings, and you're stuck with a plate full of problems that you don't know how to solve. No worries, we got you. I'm Damian Bazadonna from Situation. And I'm Rochelle Pereira from Equilibrium. And when it comes to workplace problems, I'm usually by the book. And I'm typically from the gut. I've been a leadership consultant and an executive coach for more than 15 years. And I spent the last 18 years building a marketing company. And together, we want to help you get unstuck. Our producers, Katie, Peter, and Stephanie, get all kinds of weird and wonderful questions from listeners ranging from college students with internships to seasoned professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. They get the lowdown in advance and then present the questions to us, giving us only five minutes to think about it before we weigh in. Now, these are not edited or research responses. They're instinctual and based on our experiences. So let's get started. So we had a question from Megan, who is freshly out of college and recently started in her first job at a publishing company. She was performing really well straight off the bat um, and receiving a lot of positive feedback that totally reinforced that for her. And she loves the job. Uh, But she recently made a few slightly bigger mistakes that were a little bit more public and visible. Um, And it left her doubting both her own ability and her status within the company. She is used to performing really well and It definitely seems like she has extremely high standards for herself, Um, but she says that she's stuck because she's wondering if it's possible that this original pristine reputation can be repaired or if it would just be best to start fresh somewhere else. How big were the mistakes? They were not that big. Like my gathering of, and that's coming from later perspective and career, but the mistakes were not huge. They were, you know, everything she does is typically very buttoned up, very perfect. That's like her style. But so these slip ups, while they were visible to her higher ups, they were not like fireable offenses. Okay. Um, And she likes, she likes her job. She likes the job. She always wanted to work in publishing. So it seems more like a scared thing. It's first time she's kind of made these mistakes outside of school Mm. in the working world. What do you think, Rochelle? So this is in her head? The the fear seems to be in her head, but the mistakes were real. Um, but no one has directly addressed them with her yet either. So I think it's kind of this stale space of uh, like, I know I did something wrong, but no one said anything to me. But maybe right. I just keep trucking ahead, that kind of thing. Got it. Okay. That's fair. I've heard this one before. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. High standards need to be met with short memories. That is, 
thought. <laughs> that is, Deep, that, that's... Is, that is the way uh, you sort of need to, and I don't really hold myself to high standards, mind you, but I know other people that really do. And I feel like they end up beating themselves up all the time and overthinking things because um, they let, when they're not able to meet their standards, it kind of just lingers and, and sits with them. And I think that's very, very, very unhealthy. So I think from this point, when I'm, you know, thinking about the question of, you know, part of the question is, can they, re- if I remember correctly, was like, can they repair their reputation or by making these mistakes? The short answer is, yeah. I, I think overall, I don't know the extent of the mistake. And yes, sometimes you can get stuck with one particular mistake and you get typecast into being the person that makes those kind of mistakes. But for the most part, especially at a junior level position in your first job, a gajillion mistakes are made. And they happen all the time of all you know, levels of severity. And I think over time, people just, it's, it's, a moot, it's a moot point. People just forget over time. And your, your entire character is based off all of the, your actions over time, um, particularly at an entry level part of a job. Uh, the bigger issue, the bigger, I guess, piece of advice that I, that I would talk about, I think, is really is like, how do you manage that idea of kind of high standards um, to for yourself in a growing career in which mistakes are just part of the process and growing, especially for younger talent? And I see that a lot. What do you think? I, I wish I could have given this advice to myself at 23, you know, yeah. because I so relate to Megan. I know exactly what that feels like. And because it's driven through perfectionism. And when you want to be perfect and every, and something is not perfect, you also blow it out of proportion in your own mind. Yeah. And other people might not even see the mistake that you see, but in your head, it's massive because what you're trying to be is just right. Yeah. And I think that this is a lifelong, you know, if you're prone to perfectionism, it's a lifelong um, addiction that you need to try to find recovery from, you know? So it's like, how do you acknowledge that mistakes is where you learn? And if you don't make mistakes, you can't figure out a new way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And the mistakes are connected to innovation and creativity. And like, how do you create in your own mind the ability and the space to make mistakes and be okay with it? You know? And so I think a lot about um, the difference between guilt and shame, you know, around this. So like when you feel guilty, that's because you feel guilty because a mistake was made. You made a mistake, right? But when you feel shame, that means I'm bad, therefore the mistake happened. And so if you sit in this like shameful spot of I'm bad, then that's that then feeds low confidence. So how do we shift it from shame to guilt? Because guilt, actually a decent level of guilt is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I really screwed up mea culpa, I won't do that again, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or like I learned from that. And the thing is, you got to talk about it. So yeah. the fact that nobody's talking about this is making it worse for her because she's like, oh, shit, they're talking about my, you know, they're going to yeah. fire me. And maybe this is a really big thing. And they're not talking to me because they're, you know, you know, and it becomes this thing in your head, to, you know. And so I think it's how does she talk about it and say, hey, you know, like I know a couple of weeks ago, I made this mistake and I've been thinking a lot about it. And I think this is the stuff I learned from it. And this is this is what I think I would do, da- you know, differently next time. Am I on track with that? Like, how does she give it air? Yeah, yeah because the worst thing to do is to not. Well, a, a is I think part is to is to not own it, right? Because that's the other thing too. Like, we're all gonna make mistakes. Own it. I mean, own it. Learn from it, and then forget it ever happened. That's my personal way that I try to think about it. Uh, assuming that when I forget what it never happened, I I bank the knowledge I learned. That kind of that's that part stays with me, but to not kind of 
to just sort of forget it, like onto the next thing, uh, forward thinking. The worst thing you could do is not own it. And I think that's the, is the bigger issue when it happens. And I've seen that happen before, which I think is the biggest mistake younger people often make is a mistake is made and they either, I would say, kind of pass it on to someone else, act indifferent on, especially it was clearly them, and don't engage in it. Because I think that's the past. You, you mentioned the word confidence. I think that's what mistakes inevitably are like really teach you is confidence of knowing that you're human, confidence in accepting like, you know, that you're taking ownership of something that you messed up. And you're, you're calling it out. Um, I think that's what you really get from mistakes. Well, but why do you think people dodge responsibility? Um, why do people dodge it? Well, first of all, I think they lack confidence of the consequence, of, of being able to manage the consequences of it. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. But I think usually, I, I feel like it's probably rooted in that idea. Or they're in an environment where they don't feel comfortable doing it. I do think your environment is, this is what the culture of a workplace is, is a tremendous indicator of, of how people are willing to accept their own ideas. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our industry, we call it supportive norms. So how, what happens when mistakes are made and how are those people treated when, when the mistake is identified yeah. and the root cause is seen? You know, and, and if it's modeled that if somebody makes a mistake that they own it and that the group is supportive of that, like, okay, fine, that happened. How do we make sure that this doesn't happen next time? Yeah. Let's all commit to that and move forward. Then it means that you're teaching the group that it's okay to make a mistake. And we won't throw the person under the bus if they have made a mistake. But for instance, if it's a culture where you know that people have gotten fired for making mistakes, or they're chastised, or you can see that the boss changes their opinion of this person long term and has a chip on their shoulder about because all these things of like, they are like microaggressions. Yes. And if a bunch of microaggressions happen when people make mistakes, you will have a culture where people are throwing each other under the bus. Yeah, and I so agree. I, it'd I agree. be interesting. And that's, of course, what we have no idea from this question of like what the culture is of the organization. It sounded like more, though, that it was in her own head than it was manifesting yeah. from the job itself. It's interesting. Through this podcast, I realize, I'm just realizing this right now as we're talking through it. I assume the best of an organization uh, when we have these conversations about workplace. And I probably shouldn't. Oh, as my I think God. through this. I, yeah. Which is interesting. I assume the there's best There's dysfunction of... everywhere, Damien. No, well, no, no, no. I know, I know there's dysfunction, but when you think about environments of, like, horrible, lead, like, bad leadership of... And bad, like, blatantly bad leadership is the stuff you see in movies that are just kind of the outrageous boss when someone makes a mistake and they're like, you're a moron! Or, like, they, they, they you know, do something horrible. And, for, and I know those are the extreme examples, but I assume that the best of organizations, that leadership understands people make mistakes, and they kind of go, hey, we made a mistake, and how do we learn from that as a group, and how do we move onward? And I recognize that all, not all cultures really actually do that in practice, for a whole range of reasons. Um, but I, I try to start with, uh, which doesn't answer the question, but I, I try to start from a place of what's assuming the right leadership is in place to address it. And through that lens, mistakes happen all the time. You learn from it, you own it, you share it and you then go onward. That's healthy. I, that is, that's the ideal, but I would say that we're fighting against some of our own instincts of individualism. We're socialized to fight for our piece of the pie. And I think that when we're talking about great management or great leadership or building this you know, team that accepts mistakes and, and welcomes learning, it's almost fighting against what we naturally want to do, which is just to defend our turf. Mm-hmm. So I think 
I think it's, it's it's one of the things I like about you so much is that you think so optimistically about what it's like. But I, I think the reality is these microaggressions and these these little positioning, these power plays happen even in the best of organizations. Yes, no, no, and I believe that they do. But I, and I think my the path to navigating that is the confidence that in the end, owning your mistake will only help you. Yeah, because if it's not wrong workplace. Yeah. If you inevitably own your mistake and you're and you're feeling like you're being pushed as an outsider or uh, it's hurting your career in that place, wrong environment. Yeah. Because it's definitely not sustainable. You're going to make tons of mistakes. I I mean, I practice this myself. I'm constantly thinking. I mean, no. let me. I'm not constantly thinking it because it makes me sound like I'm ruminating about it. But if I feel like I've screwed up, I am the first to send an email saying, I think I did that wrong, or I think I overstepped, or I think I did such and such. And not to be overly apologetic about it or to make somebody, I don't know, raise fears in the other person, but to just say, like, I thought about that interaction after we had it, and these were my thoughts about that. And I think by continuing to share my learning process, I hope to encourage other people to do that themselves, you know, of like reflecting how did that go and what would I have done differently or would I have said that differently? And I think, you know, the more that we can instill this sense of um, self-awareness and reflection and learning, the easier it is to make a mistake because you Mm -hmm. can just say, you know what, I'll own it tomorrow and like you say, move on. Yeah. But before we end, what was the very first quote you said? What What was your opening gamut? That high standards need to be met with short memories. Can I make like a Pinterest? I have a t-shirt page? line already. <laughs> it's so good. It's pretty good. It's nine ninety nine. So good. Shipping is twelve ninety five. Hashtag yeah, yeah. stockpot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. Good luck. If you liked this episode, please rate it on Apple Podcasts, or leave us a comment, or share it with somebody you think is stuck. This helps us reach listeners who could benefit from these conversations. And if you'd like your own question answered, go to our website, stuckpod.com, to submit a question. Stuck is created by Equilibrium and Situation. It is produced by the wonderful Katie Byrne, Peter Ujicic, and Stephanie Connors. Big shout out to Miratone Studios for putting up with us again. Our theme music is Rockstar by Owen Mulcahy. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.